Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. This week on TGSP, we dive into the brain of athletes. More than 1.6 million sports-related traumatic injuries take place a year. We speak with NFL Hall of Famer Nick Lowry about CBD or cannabidiol which Nick says is helping so many athletes, including his brothers in the NFL. My friend, the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye, who mm-hmm. led the National Football League in Russia in 1989, six foot two, 265 pounds, who was pounded over and over again, has a fused neck, um, started taking our products uh, in, nine weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Since taking those zero THC products, he has been 100% from day one off his Ambien, which is something that we think contributed to Junior Seau's demise, and off his pain meds from day one completely. Wow. And that's wow. a guy that had to take a pounding that most human bodies um, have never had to endure. So uh, it's just one anecdote, but it's one more powerful reason uh, to give us a real confidence that this can create quality of life where players don't live in pain. And when you don't have pain, you can think about your friends, your loved ones. You can do more things to make the world a better place. And that's the other subset is, gosh, these are role models. These are people that can help a community feel positive. Right. And uh, if they're trapped in pain, it's very difficult to even get out of the house for some of them. Nick Lowry has a pretty powerful history in America and the NFL. Perhaps ABC sums it up best back in the day. Football, 1993 is turning out to be the year of the kicker in the NFL. Touchdown seems to be coming harder, but field goals have never been so plentiful. An average of more than three a game so far. One result, superstar quarterbacks are having to share the limelight with superstar kickers. Nick Lowry, for example. Here's ABC's Dick Schaap. This will be a 41-yard attempt. No one kicks better than Nick. Nick Lowry of the Kansas City Chiefs, the most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL. But long before Lowry was a hero, he was a flop. He tried out for nine different teams and was cut by the New York Jets and the New England Patriots, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Baltimore Colts, cut by the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington Redskins, by the New Orleans Saints and the San Diego Chargers before he made it in Kansas City in 1980. Each time I would go through it, it made me stronger. Physically and mentally. Now at 38, superbly conditioned and supremely self-confident, Lowry is the master of his special art. Nick has worked in the White House during his off-seasons for three presidents on projects ranging from drug abuse to national service legislation, which probably explains why when he kicked five field goals against Denver, scoring all of Kansas City's points, he received a handwritten note that said, all your National Service pals are very proud. It was signed, Bill Clinton. Dick Schaap, ABC News, Kansas City. Well, Mr. Lowry is now 62, and he's involved in a company called Canalife Sciences, which we will get into in a minute. But first, we called Nick up. All right, Nick, how goes it? It, it goes great. I, I really am convinced at this point that we are what a great Canadian Malcolm Gladwell would say is a tipping point with CBDs, um, particularly in our case, 
low to zero THC CBDs and what they can do, particularly uh, for my NFL brothers that uh, have been found to be suffering a great deal more than we ever understood until just recently. And outside of just football and the elite sports world, Nick Lowry got involved in the drug debate early. I worked in the White House Drug Abuse Policy Office. I'm so old that back in 1988 for Donald Ian McDonald, who was then Reagan's druggist, drug policy advisor. And the next year, he appointed former Reagan, H.W. Uh, Bush appointed um, former Reagan um, education secretary, William Bennett, to be the first drug czar. And uh, Bennett asked me to be his co-host. Uh, he led the meeting, of course. I was just his, his humble assistant of the first meeting of the commissioners of the four major sports. Of course, I'll mention since it's Canada hockey first, but <laughs> the NFL and NBA and Major League Baseball and their corresponding executive directors of the Players Associations. And so I've been following... Uh, the drug issue uh, from the different sides of policy of treatment versus legalization versus punishment. And um, all we ever heard about back then was THC. And uh, mm -hmm. there has been a tremendous cascade of research on CBDs in general, cannabis, uh, marijuana, and, and, and hemp. And I'm interested because of the, shall we say, inconsistent and more controversial and more complex side of the equation, even as it is beginning to work itself out on the marijuana side, mm -hmm. I'm looking at what can we do right now that can take care of all or most of the fundamental issues of pain and Alzheimer's and symptoms of chronic traumatic encephalopathy um, and dementia, Parkinson's, and those things that tormented, for instance, several of really dear friends in the NFL. My teammate for two years, the legendary Mike Webster, if you saw the movie Concussion mm -hmm. with Dr. Bennett Amalu, played by Will Smith, you, you know in detail, and, and I've seen the movie twice now, and it was just as painful or more the second time to watch what Mike went through um, after he left the game. In fact, his, his ex-wife, who had to leave, not because she didn't love him, but because she had to save her, herself and her family from the, uh, the danger that uh, came with his rages because his brain was simply not the same brain that he had a few years earlier. Um, what I found out since, actually, Jeremy, is that um, on January 1st, I had dinner with a woman who was his real estate agent and mine as well, just by coincidence, and her mm. husband, who's a, a longtime friend, who told me that about four years after Mike left the game, she had found him and Pam Webster and their family, their house in Kansas City, where he had moved after 16 years and four Super Bowl rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. And she told me that he literally, unannounced, unprovoked, walked into her office, and she was five feet tall, 98 pounds, picks her up with one arm by her neck and lifts her up above him and says, you're trying to screw me, and if you, can, if you don't stop it, I'm going to kill you. Okay. Lifts her down, walks out. Um, and so that's just one more personal reference to the torment that our, our, my friends in the NFL uh, go through uh, in different ways. Each person has their own story, but as another example, Kenny Stabler, my friend whose golf tournament I hosted just five years ago in Mobile, Alabama, who died uh, just a year and a half ago, uh, of chronic traumatic encephalopathy. He was the legendary quarterback for, for our, our evil 
uh, competitors, the Raiders, mm-hmm. and you, be, you know, it, it just it makes it personal, and yet it's it's also a universal phenomenon way beyond football. It's also an ice hockey phenomenon and a cheerleader phenomenon. It's a life phenomenon, and For so sure. I'm I'm fascinated by the brain, by learning, and also by the other side of it, which is how do we ev- uh, ev- evade you know the deterioration of our capacity to think, to feel and to live lives that to our fullest as we get older. Now you heard Nick talk about CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I could go into detail about this disease, but CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta sums it up for us best. Lately, it's been difficult to talk about football without mentioning concussions. Why? Well, mounting concern over a disease called chronic traumatic encephalopathy, more commonly known as CTE. In the world of medicine, CTE is a relative newcomer. In football, we just learned about it 10 to 15 years ago. Here's what we can say. It's a progressive degenerative brain disease. It is like Alzheimer's. It can start with memory loss, mood swings, and difficulty in concentration, developing into progressive dementia, even possible thoughts of suicide. But unlike Alzheimer's, CTE can also result in significant aggression and lack of impulse control. The big difference, symptoms tend to begin much earlier in life, closer to your 40s instead of your 60s. In both diseases, there's no known cure. Researchers believe there's only one way to get CTE, and that is repeated hits to the head. What happens is that you get a buildup of an abnormal protein called tau in the brain. Scientists do know both the location of the tau and how much tau in the brain determines the symptoms you might exhibit. But scientists don't yet have a magic number of hits that results in CTE. It also isn't known who exactly would develop CTE. There are some players who take many hits and never develop symptoms. Factors like genetics and age of exposure to the trauma could play a role. How do you know if you have CTE? Just because you have symptoms doesn't mean you have the disease. In fact, as things stand now, you can only be diagnosed for sure after death. Scientists are researching how to diagnose in living people. A prominent group of researchers have found over 90% of former NFL players have developed CTE. But remember something important here. The number could be so high because of something known as selection bias. That means the brains that were studied were from people who worried that they had CTE. Also, it's not just football players that need to be concerned. Boxers, soccer players, people in the military, anyone who's exposed to constant head trauma can develop it too. So does CBD work for head trauma? And where are we with the research to support that theory? Cannabidiol is still a Schedule One drug in the U.S., but as stigma decreases and public awareness of cannabis increases, people see the value in at least researching this medicine. Nick recalls the beginning of that misinformation campaign called Prohibition, while his father was the London station chief of the CIA. You know, Jeremy, I, I have a wonderful, rich, we all have these journeys as we get older. Hopefully we see how the journey itself has helped us. My father was chief of station for the CIA in London wow. in the late 60s. And, of course, even more so today, the idea of fake news and disinformation is mm-hmm. pervasive as never before in our history. Mm-hmm. And so part of this in my, is my fascination uh, since 1937 and the prohibition of cannabis, which William Randolph Hearst and his cronies with Monsanto engineered mm-hmm. uh, with, with one of the main um, motives being simply control over the paper industry since he would be feeding his own 23 newspapers with, with tree-based paper versus hemp, which produced right. ten, tenfold uh, the volume. Uh, and so there were misinformation campaigns and disinformation campaigns and branding campaigns uh, 
with uh, marijuana, Mary Jane, and all of the sort of criminal evil sense uh, that uh, they subjected into it. And then we have the history of the hippies uh, and the drug uh, times of the 60s and 70s, um, and, and sort of a pejorative sense that it's an irresponsible uh, and un, undeterminate scientific uh, choice. It's something that people did to evade responsibility or to, to revolt. So there's so much emotion behind it, so much history behind it. And now we move 50 years forward to a time when it's about the science. And what I want to say over and over again, I'm for hemp. I'm for zero to very low THC, which is legal in the United States right now right. in all 50 states. Um, and I'm for the science. Uh, there's no reason to uh, worry about charm and sales techniques as if we're, you know, trying to put something over. What I love is the fact that the pure science itself is an overwhelming tidal wave that's going to wash away most of this disinformation, which is the residue of, of 80 years of prohibition. Now, Nick may have retired from football, but he remains in the game. He has big goals he is trying to achieve by teaming up with Canalife Sciences to create a product that does one thing, helps heal in all different aspects. Don't we all want to live a life where we have had a life of purpose and, and specifically within that, whether it's doing a radio show that tells great stories like yours, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure you do other things in your life too, but, you know, that's great. But within that is how about healing people? How about right. helping people not be dependent that I'm the doctor that heals you, but instead that that person feels a greater sense of their own power and um, awareness and understanding at, at not only an intellectual level, but a soulful level of how to take care of themselves. So we developed at Canalife Sciences uh, a super CBD molecule called KLS13019, which sounds straight out of a science fiction movie, <laughs> but, it's, but it's zero THC. Mm -hmm. It's 50 times more powerful than anything we've found with none of the impurities of traditional uh, hemp CBDs. It's 400 times uh, more medically safe. That means it can't become toxic, those things. That, and, and there's almost no toxicity. Uh, an important distinction being, for instance, that unlike opioids, there is no receptor in the brainstem and in the pond, which is what opioids have done tragically to mm -hmm. literally put people to sleep permanently when they thought they were just taking a couple extra, you know, heroin uh, pills or whatever they were taking in, in the opioid uh, category. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited because KLS 13019 is also more bioavailable. So it's, it's going to be something that may, as I said on MSNBC with Dr. Bennett Amalu himself six months ago, mm -hmm. become the intercellular helmet far more important than any helmet itself. No hockey helmet, no football helmet will do anything comparatively to what this super, super CBD molecule, I believe, can do to bring neuroplasticity and resiliency and what, what Dr. David Schubert and Salk talked about. Now, you heard Nick say that zero THC CBD is legal. But there are some areas where politics get involved. The team from Candle Life Sciences went on Dateline NBC a couple weeks back to talk about what they call a game changer. What's the number on the patent? It's 6630507, and the title is Cannabinoids as Antioxidants and Neuroprotectants. That's a U.S. patent. It is. Be prepared to be confounded in one of those classic governmental right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing sort of fiascos. On the one hand, the DEA says pot has no medicinal use. And on the other, the National Institutes of Health believes cannabis could be big medicine. In fact, the NIH, 
has a patent on pot. I mean, the government has a patent that says there's something in marijuana that has medicinal value? Yes, the government has a patent that was developed by inventors in an intramural research project through NIH, through National Institutes of Health, so it's taxpayer-funded. Petcanis has licensed the patent, which means he can use certain cannabis-based compounds and develop them into medicines. Medicines that could turn into the payday of a lifetime for him and the government. Reading the government's patent, a lot of research went into it. And when you look into that, you realize that some very prominent scientists turned their attention to these structures, how they would be useful as medicine in the treatment of these diseases, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, uh, Down syndrome. On top of that, but Canis claims CBD can be an effective treatment for concussions, traumatic brain injury, and CTE, the disease that plagues a number of former football players. In the area of traumatic brain injury, a concussive injury, or CTE, the potential is to reverse toxicity, protect the brain. Protect, protect the brain. Right, protect the brain, before, during, and after. How big a breakthrough is this potentially? This is all new country, Harry. This is stuff that, because of the restrictions of the Controlled Substance Act, nobody touched cannabinoids at all. They just left it there and left it alone. Back in the Canalife lab in Pennsylvania, Dr. Brenneman is hard at work trying to determine for certain if weed is really a wonder drug. Give me a, a hand signal. Potential for cannabidiol is where? Way up there. Right. And I say that from just the breadth of therapeutic areas where it's relevant to. The anecdotal evidence here is something that really gets your attention. Why don't we have the clinical goods here to make the case? Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to the scheduling of this compound as a Schedule One compound. But is all that about to change? It's the personal stories of struggle that helped Nick Lowry lend his hand to the cause. He says opioids have been proven to keep the addiction alive, and he's seen it far, far too many times. Not only does it preclude for the user uh, a continued addiction or need or a craving for the opioid, it also makes him or her more susceptible to addictive behaviors, which right. um, is really, to me, the opposite of being able to live a life of freedom and, and wisdom and perspective. And what we're finding in our research is it may well be that uh, CBDs turn off or neutralize that addictive gene. So it will become, at the very least, Jeremy, I'm convinced, a powerful tool for helping addicts get off um, opioid addiction before it's too late. I was on a plane, and I, I talk a lot about this because I'm so passionate about it. Just two months ago, a lady was sitting next to me, flying from Kansas City, where I played for the Chiefs for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just think about these coincidences. And she said she's flying back to Phoenix to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the opioid heroin death of her son. Right. And uh, she cried virtually the whole flight. And, uh, you know, she had no idea of knowing my background in this, but we began to talk about it. But he could not help himself. And he mm. was not a bad human being. Uh, he was trying to do the best he could, but he could not get around or get away from it. So uh, what I'd like to do is focus on the positive that we are absolutely um, making tremendous progress beyond animal research into human research into sustaining um, 
research from Stanford, from UCLA Torrance, from the Salk Institute, Dr. Julius Axelrod, and on and on that sustained the power of CBDs to quiet the brain and help it restore some level of objectivity and regulatory health. So let's get back to the NFL for a minute. There are new concerns about football injuries after another tough hit in the NFL overnight. There you see Brandon Williams from the Colts. Helmet on helmet hit. He was taken off the field with a concussion. And now former NFL star Larry Johnson speaking out in an ABC News exclusive. Johnson's 38, convinced he's living with CTE as he battles memory loss, anxiety, and suicidal impulses. Lindsay Davis sat down with him, joins us now. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning, George. He was a first-round draft pick in 2003. And today, Larry Johnson says there are two entire NFL seasons he simply doesn't remember. He says he doesn't blame the NFL, but Johnson says it's time to change the way the game is played because he believes the game has changed him. We hear about CBD on the news and its involvement as a potential treatment in the league for many trauma cases and sport-related injuries. As a whole, it's starting to get more spotlight, which is good. But we wanted to find out exactly from Nick, who has been involved in the NFL for years, just exactly where they are with all of this. When you look at politics and you look at small groups of people, you've got 32 owners that are all billionaires. The average team in the NFL has gone in the last 10 years from $1 billion to $2.5 billion. Uh, the new TV contract is going to soar from $7 billion to $20 to $25 billion. Nothing com competes with the NFL. So Roger Goodell, the commissioner, has to keep 32 very powerful, very strong ego owners happy. So uh, half of those uh, owners are extremely conservative. Right. But the good news is, I can tell you for a fact that Elvis Gooden, of the NFL alumni, the chief financial officer and the chief executive officer of NFL alumni, is very excited about working with us to get these zero THC, I have to keep saying it, these right. zero THC um, CBDs to former players. Uh, mm -hmm. And even if this was provided to current players, they would not violate a single drug test. Right. The World Anti-Doping Agency, actually, we pass all those standards already. We developed a pure CBD on our Canaway side, um, and we know that, that this works more and more. Research is showing, even with zero THC, tremendous uh, efficacious outcomes. So uh, I can, think you can tell I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and the other side of it is, once this starts, once we get the first 1,000 players trying it, um, if you know statistics, you know you get a, over 300, and if you can get to 3,000, you have unbelievable um, proof of whether something legitimately changes the quality of life. I'll tell you this right now. One key takeaway I got from my interview with Nick was that he isn't just in this to help famous retired football colleagues and friends. He's in it to help all. And also he's in it to help the kids in sports and the women in sports too. We've done very successful testing, uh, you know, with mice and, and with rats, and, mm -hmm. and uh, we've had great results. But to make it uh, completely FDA secure, uh, we have to do this next level of double-blind testing, which um, is, is happening. So I'm, I'm really excited to watch this. I'm as confident as it's possible that uh, this will give us what we need. And then most importantly, make it available to soccer players, right? right There's a huge right. concussion issue with uh, soccer players to girls in sports who are two to three times if you uh, listen to pink concussions and read their website and okay. girls are two to three times more susceptible to concussions and uh, imagine what we're finding with youth sports kids that have these uh, mini brain not even concussions but mini brain hits 
at a younger age, when they're mm -hmm. developing, pre-puberty and into puberty, they are up to a decade, a recent study showed up to a decade earlier in manifesting some of these brain deterioration um, symptoms. So, wow. you know, we're going to change the quality of health for people around the world. And uh, what could be better than that, to live a life where you can help people have really, truly more healthy lives? Mr. Lowry, I appreciate your time today. I'm looking forward to telling this story. And, Absolutely. Uh, we will be in touch. Thanks again for your time. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for your great work. It's thank very important to have storytellers like you. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. A huge thank you to Nick Lowry for coming on to tell his story. I'm sure this will not be the last time we hear about the research from Candlelife Sciences, a story of passion and a story of perseverance. Nick, you're a great man. Thanks for listening. We couldn't be number one without you, and we really want to make sure that we thank each and every one of you listeners. Go back, subscribe, rate the podcast. Tell me what you'd like to see different. Send your email to jeremy at saffron, S-Z-A-F-R-O-N.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on TGSP this week. We hope you like the show. Don't forget to go to our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, subscribe to us, and rate our podcast. We'll catch you next week.